0: You're listening to What Book Hooked You? I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this episode, I have Kelly Lloyd Gilbert, whose new book, Picture Us in the Light, comes out on April 10th. In this episode, Kelly and I talk about all that went into her sophomore release, and what it was like trying to follow up from her debut novel, Conviction. So listen in. So Kelly, what book hooked you?
1: So the first book that I can ever remember reading, I remember very clearly, this was like when I learned to read was Amelia Bedelia. Um, it was kind of like this kid series, but so I don't actually remember which one it was, but I have this like super clear memory of being in my room and i would always loved books. So I was like looking at them and I'd look at the pictures, but I remember like all of a sudden I realized I was looking at the letters and they were like making words and I was so excited. No one believed me at first, but um So my very first book that I ever learned to read on was Amelia Bedelia. And ever since then, I was totally hooked. It was just this, like, really intoxicating feeling being able to, like, look at the words and they meant something, and then I wanted to run around and, like, look at all the other books in my room and read those. So that was how I learned to read.
0: So you were a big reader growing up. Were you one that you just were lucky enough to have a lot of books in the house? And did you go to the library a lot? What was the book situation growing up?
1: Yeah, we loved the library. Um, My mom would get one of those big, I don't know what they're technically for, maybe like a milk crate or something. It's like the two by one and a half, the big, big crates where you have to have like two people hold it. And we'd go to the library and we would be allowed to fill up the crate with as many books as we could carry. And then we'd all sort of like stagger out of the library holding it together. Um, And we went probably, I want to say at least every two or three weeks. Um, And I had also a... From the time I was very small, I was amassing my own collection of books at home. I loved book orders and classic um, book clubs. And um, yeah, so I was always surrounded by many, many books.
0: So as you, was there, uh, as you got a little bit older, maybe kind of what we call middle grade now, were there books during that time that you were really remember enjoying, that, that maybe they were important books around that time?
1: Yeah, I remember um, one of the first kind of series that I got like obsessively into, where I was like waiting for the next one to come out. I bought all of them. Was um, the Face on the Milk Cart series by Caroline B. Cooney? Um, Are you familiar with those? I don't. I know she's still writing them, sort of, but it's been many, many years. It's, it was a story about a girl who she's like in her school cafeteria one day and she looks at her milk carton and there's this like missing kid photo and she realizes that's her on the photo and she's shocked because she, you know, lives with her parents while she knows she didn't realize she was missing. And, um, I think just the, the idea that you could be somebody that you didn't know was just so fascinating to me. And I also just loved the way the books were written. Um, and I loved those. And then the author, Carolyn B. Cooney, she'd also written, you know, she's a super prolific writer, wrote many, many other books. So I read um list of her books, and those are my favorite ones when I was probably about like a middle grade reader.
0: And so sometimes, you know, as I'm talking to authors, I hear that when they kind of end up moving to this preteen uh, stage that reading kind of changes for them one or two ways either they kind of end up leaving it behind for more social mm-hmm. reasons or it becomes all that more important. So was mm-hmm. that either one of those true for you?
1: Oh, that's so interesting. Um I think I I definitely didn't leave it behind. I think I like had the good fortune of growing up sort of pre-internet and pre-social media. I think I could very easily have off reading had I had, like, you know, Instagram to be on all day instead. Um, But I think it definitely stayed equally important to me, and I think maybe um, the only sort of real difference was that I started splitting my time with it, with writing as well. I was kind of doing that more sort of avidly around that age, whereas before I think I was focusing more on just reading.
0: And so what were those first types of writing that you were trying your hand at oh god
1: (laughs) um they were probably what you would imagine a sort of angsty 12 year old to be writing um i i don't even remember i think one was about a boy band um one weirdly i remember i was like strangely obsessed with the post-Vietnam War era for whatever reason and I remember there was one about these kids in this small town in like 70s um I don't even remember what the plot was but um yeah I they were (laughs) not anything that you will be seeing on shelves anytime soon that is that is for sure but it was something I really enjoyed and I think it it felt all tied up to me like the reading and the writing just like they what they had in common i think was being immersed in these other worlds um and that was something that was really important to me when
0: i was in middle school and middle school in the high school were there are there books that you read during that time sort of like when you mentioned a face on the milk carton that kind of stand out as being impactful to you in in any type of way that they really stand out Mm
1: -hmm. yeah um I remember one of the first books that, um, so in high school, I think we were starting to read books in school that were not necessarily aimed just at middle grade readers, but were sort of aimed also at adults. And um, so I think that was kind of my first introduction into adult literary fiction, which is still one of my favorite genres. And one of the books that had the most powerful impact on me was Tim O'Brien's *The Things They Carried*. Uh-huh. Um, and it's Of just like it's a novel, but it's like sort of almost like a memoir, but it's fictionalized, and so it kind of like plays around with the idea of story and what is story, and is the story more true if it really happened, or is the story more true if it makes you feel the way the storyteller wants you to make it feel? Um, and it was, I just thought it was so beautifully written and just so so powerful, and I think because I was so into reading and writing, just that idea of sort of questioning what a story is and what is the role of fiction. Um, there's this part at the end where it's the the narrator talks about how stories can save us. Um, and I think that was just really powerful to me. Um, and it also was, it's a story about um, the Vietnam War and it was, you know, something that I was totally, you know, removed from. I think it was just this glimpse into this sort of other world and these other lives Um that was one of the first books that I think had just like this really powerful like gut
0: impact on me. And so, as you're reading and as you're writing, was uh, was it a dream of yours to uh, be a writer when you were an adult?
1: Yeah, it definitely was. Well, <laughs> I would say it was a dream of mine to be a writer when I was still a teenager, <clears throat> which didn't happen um which is probably for the best um i know there are young writers who are really amazing and successful but i would not have been one of those um so yeah that was something i always hoped to do um preferably as early as possible i think was sort of my goal at the time but i'm sort of glad that things kind of fell into place the way they did timeline wise
0: so then you know after high school. What did you do? How did your reading and writing life change? Uh, did it kind of come off, go onto a back burner, or did you pursue it even harder?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of towards the end of high school and then graduating and then going on into college, um, one thing that changed a lot for me was now that I was able to drive, I had access to more books um, you know, before it was sort of pre-internet, and I kind of read through everything at our library that had sort of ever caught my eye, and so there just weren't a lot of places that I could find all the books that I wanted to read without having somebody take me, and so now that I was able to, um, I was able to kind of, you know, go out. There was a used bookstore that was by my house, and I would go there, and I think I also, um, reading Having graduated from high school, I think I felt like suddenly I had permission to read more. Um, before, I felt like, you know, I would sort of read this stuff that I wanted to read at the library, and then there was what we were reading for school. And then that summer after, I remember feeling like, oh, like, I have no list to read from. There's nothing that's assigned to me. Like, I can read whatever I want. Um, and I remember a friend recommended Ann Patchett's Balcanto, and... Um, it was strangely one of the first times I'd read a book recommended by a friend rather than a teacher or just something I happened to see at the library. Um, and I really loved it and it is one of my favorite writers. And I think just um, it kind of opened up this like new world of how I looked for what I was reading and how I looked in bookstores and um, kind of discovering things on my own as your friends or whatever that were not coming from teachers
0: at that same time then uh when you're able to kind of explore books sort of on your own what was the state of your writing were you still committed to it like you were in high school uh did kind of the real world kind of uh pull you back and you started to have doubt uh what was kind of really the state of it at that point Mm
1: -hmm. so i was still writing um a lot i was I kind of always, I think because I grew up for most of my life reading novels and still read novels, that was kind of the form that I'd always been most comfortable with. And so I was still writing novels. Um, I think it was around then that I started trying to look for an agent um, and it didn't work out. There was kind of nothing I had that was sort of ready for publication. And so there was a lot of rejection um, along the way. And so I think in a sense, I was Kind of worried that you know, as much as I wanted to do this, and as much as I loved books and loved writing them, that I would never sort of publish one of my own. Um, but it was still something that I was very committed to doing, and I think also it was just something that I enjoyed so much that even if I wasn't always thinking about sort of an end goal, it was still like one of my favorite ways to spend my time.
0: And those novels that you were writing at that point, what? genre or category uh, would you put them in?
1: I think I would put them mostly in young adult fiction. Um, I think there were a couple that were maybe more like adult literary fiction, but I think predominantly they would have been classified as young adults.
0: And was, did that just kind of happen naturally that they kind of fell into YA, or was there some sort of influence that you had that really kind of drew you to that type of storytelling?
1: I think that even... I think maybe because I was, you know, a young adult myself, I was interested in that time of life. Um, And I think even a lot of the books that I was reading that were technically classified as adult fiction, um, a lot of them still dealt with you know, high school years or early post college years. Um, I was really, i still really loved the book prep by Curtis Sittenfeld and that's a look at, um, the life of a girl who she's from this small Midwestern town and she leaves her town and goes to this, um, East coast boarding school where everyone but her is sort of this like very wealthy, um, kind of worldly East coast person from like this, you know, established family. And she feels very out of place, and very different. And, um, It's an amazing book, and I think I just, I don't know, I think there's something so interesting about those years. I think they're just so rich with, there's so much going on. Um, I think part of it is that you're interacting on so many different planes. Um, You know, you have your peers that you're interacting with, and then you're also having to deal with sort of like the level above you. You have your teachers and your parents. Um, And I think that in some ways you're, you have so much, well, in a lot of ways, I guess you have so much less agency than you do when you're an adult. Um, you know, if you're an adult and you're in a bad relationship, you can get out of it. Or if you're in a job you hate, you can leave your job. Um, not that it's always that easy, but you know, when you're in school, you know, you have a huge fight with somebody at your school and it doesn't matter. You have to show up every single day and sit next to them in Um, You hate your school. It doesn't matter. You still have to go. Um, and so I think just the idea that, what people do when they're sort of in this like pressure cut environment, um, was and just so very fascinating
0: to me. And so you had these attempts, uh, where you were writing novels and trying to like look for an agent and things like that. Was there a big kind of error in these, in either your process or the way you were writing that you can kind of see now, uh, looking back that you kind of can diagnose exactly uh, what you were doing wrong at that point?
1: I don't know if there is a single error. They were just pretty bad. I mean, you know, they were just like really early manuscripts. I think that they were important to the process. Like I think it was important for me to sort of learn to write characters and have them, you know, in various situations and learn how to write backstory, learn how to write dialogue, and, um, I think things that I still kind of don't naturally succeed at and I have to really push for probably the same back then, which is um, plot is not my favorite thing. Um, And I think since publishing and working with my editor, I've learned a lot about structure. Um, So I think those were probably also issues back then along with probably everything else. But um, yeah, I think, I think those were the big things.
0: And was there anything that, was there any event or moment or group or anything that ended up kind of turning the corner for you as far as you uh, starting to have success or really have a better understanding of the type of writer you are, the type of things uh, you need to be writing? I think Prep, the book I
1: mentioned before, was really formative for me because so much of what happens and so much of the action is really internal and it's happening inside the character's head. Um, and so I think reading that book kind of gives me permission in a sense. Like it felt like, oh, you can have this really gripping story that so much of it is about just what this teenage girl is thinking and just what she's mm-hmm. observing about the world around her. Um, and so I think that kind of made me feel like there was more possibility than I would sort of realized. And that was, you know, legitimate thing I could write about. And then I think also I started, um, I'm Asian American and I think I started reading more books by Asian American authors and thinking about, um, how their experiences either differed from mine or reflected mine. And, um, I think that also was sort of the thing that gave me permission to feel like, oh, I can write characters who, you know, come from the same place I do, or they sort of grew up in a similar, um, environment, um, and I remember I was I read a book called An Artist of the Floating World by Kazuo Ishiguro, um, and it's just beautiful, beautiful book. Um, it's my favorite of his. And I think it's it's, it's the story about this artist um, and this family, and mostly it's the family drama. And what I remember so much about that book is he does so much with the silences in it, and there's so much tension and so much tension between the family members that so much of it goes unspoken and it gets papered over and they smile and they say the thing that you're supposed to say. Um, meanwhile, there's so much simmering below the surface. And that was really, really gripping for me. Um, and I thought it was such an interesting look at how people actually are in conflict. And I think before that, maybe I'd been trying to force a lot of sort of like really loud conflict onto the page. But I think, you know, thinking about reading that book and just thinking about the ways that people actually interact with each other and how things that are unsaid can be as interesting as the things that are said, um, was also really a powerful reading experience for me.
0: You kind of mentioned like the change or maybe the realization part of prep and part of the artists of the floating world. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, conviction comes out and it gets a lot of attention and a lot of praise, uh, how how did that feel after, you know, all these different attempts and this kind of journey of trying to figure out uh, how to write and, and uh, to get something to catch with someone, and not just someone, but a lot of people uh, that they kind of resonated with?
1: Yeah, I was definitely and, and remain definitely really thankful. Um, I think there are a lot of times when it's easy to get caught up in the like, Oh, I have a deadline or oh, I'm, you know, working on this book and it's such a pain. Um, and I always try to sort of stop and imagine telling my six, year old self, like, Hey, this is going to happen for you. Like you're going to publish a book and it's going to be a real book on a bookshelf and people will read it. And, um, I think it's still like when I really think about it like that, it never fails to lose that kind of magic. Um, which I hope all this stays true. Um, I, I remember um, when my book, a little bit before my book came out, my dad had said something to me that was something like, you know, you're really lucky because a lot of people have dreams, but not everybody, you know, gets to see them happen. And that really resonated with me. And I, I definitely feel so grateful that, yeah, that I, I did get to see mine happen.
0: And were you able to, uh, how do I want to say, it? were you able to kind of accept? the praise and all of the wonderful things that were being said about you and about your writing and about the book. uh, Was that something that you were even able to kind of internalize and, and realize that, you know, you had earned this and that you were, that you had achieved this dream.
1: So after my book had come out, so usually before the book is actually out on top your publisher, will send you the finished copy. um, And I remember I got the finished copy and it was so beautiful and they've done such a great job and I opened it and like, I read a couple lines and I was like, Oh God, this is terrible. Um, and I kind of knew then like, you know, it was set in stone and there was nothing I could do about it. And if I read it, I was just going to feel like so horrified that like it was going on into the world. And I was just never going to be able to read it and feel like, Oh, this this is a great book. I was always just going to read it and be like, Oh my gosh, like I'm so embarrassed. So I sort of knew then, like, all right, I'm never going to read it again, um, which I haven't. And I think that's probably always going to be true for anything I ever sure. write. Once it's sort of, like, final, then it's, it's dead to me. Um, so I think there's kind of a process for, and I think talking to other writer friends, I think a lot of us sort of do this, where once it's kind of out in the world, you just sort of emotionally really distance yourself from whatever it is. And, you know, I still remember the characters and think about them, but, I just sort of will never open it up to look at it again. Um, so I think that sort of helps in just that accepting that whatever you've written, it kind of is what it is and it'll go into the world and do whatever it's going to do. And it's kind of out of your control at that point. Um, and I think sort of just moving on to the next thing really helps in just to be focusing on writing whatever is next uh, rather than sort of, Imagining people, especially I think for me, people I know reading it is like the most kind of horrifying right. part. Um, so I try mostly, I think, once the book is out to focus on the next thing.
0: So then you have your follow up uh, coming out on April 10th, Picture Us in the Light. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's mm-hmm. start talking about that. First, give me sort of uh, what the synopsis of the book is.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so the book Is set in Cupertino, California, which is where I grew up. And so that was a really exciting aspect of it for me. And it's about um, a character named Danny Ching, who is a senior in high school, and he's a very committed artist. And he's just been accepted to Rhode Island School of Design, which is like his lifelong dream, so he's really thrilled. Um, And his parents have been extremely supportive of him, and they're thrilled, and it seems like everything is finally going right. Um, And then he starts to – he finds kind of this – weird like stalkerish box in his dad's closet um with this like really intense dossier on this wealthy silicon valley family um and he starts to sort of uncover what it could mean and he uncovers a secret that could um threaten not only his future but his whole family's future and so he's trying to figure out is there a way to solve this situation and also what is going on because his parents won't tell him and meanwhile he um he is in love with his best friend, Harry, um, and Harry is dating his other best friend, Regina Chan, and they, um, they're they sort of coming off this tragedy that struck their group of friends the year before, and so he's trying to figure out whether he can say anything to Harry or whether it's something he just needs to keep quiet because their friend group has already been through so much, um, etc.
0: And so then what was... Uh the initial idea that sort of started you on the journey of writing this book
1: part of the idea was um i was really interested in the idea of quantum entanglement which is the idea that like atoms that are like connected like once they're separated they'll still continue to like affect each other even if there's like a lot of distance between them um and so in their original draft and actually still in the final book danny's father was a physicist who was studying this idea um but the other sort of dragging idea of the book initially was that um, Danny would have this sibling that he, who needed like a bone marrow transplant. He was like trying to find this like long lost other sibling in order to get transplant, um, which totally does not exist anymore. Um, but that was kind of the like first idea.
0: And so what was this journey like writing this book, uh, you know, from going from the first book, uh, Conviction... Uh, to this one, uh, was this a, was the story for Picture Us in the Light something that was already sort of brewing around that time, or uh, did it crop up long after Conviction?
1: I think it started cropping up maybe just like within the couple of months after I'd like turned in my final, final draft of Conviction. Um, I remember I was driving in the car with um, my family, and it sort of, came to me at the time. And then I kind of started playing around with it. And then it ended up changing a ton over the next couple of years. But um, I think I always feel most comfortable if I have something I'm actively working on. And so I think it right away after I'd finished, I was sort of, my mind was already kind of roaming around thinking about what I could be doing next.
0: And was it difficult coming off of the first book? And especially once uh, conviction start to get that attention uh to to go to this next book this next story uh, was there any doubt that you had or or questioning yourself in any way uh with kind of this what would have to be your follow-up book
1: yes it was it was horrible <laughs> um i am glad that you only write a second book once because everybody says the second book is the worst which definitely was true for me um it took me, gosh, I think it took me like two years longer than we had kind of planned for it to take. Um, luckily my editor and my publisher were extremely patient and extremely understanding. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I got hit with really, really intense writer's block that just I couldn't shake for, you know, months on end. And I, I tried everything. I tried, um, you know, I would read, like, motivational books. I would try all the different, like, writing tricks I knew. Um, I went to therapy. I tried everything, and I just couldn't couldn't get past it. Um, I think in retrospect, I was trying to force a story that wasn't going to happen. Um, and I think I, I'd sold the book on proposal, and so I felt sort of all this pressure to be, you know, writing the book I'd said I was going to write. But I think the story that it needed to be was actually a totally different story that um, – Yeah, for months, every day I'd be like, wow, I think I might need to call my agent and tell her to cancel the contract. This is just not going to happen ever.
0: And so was there a single breakthrough or was it just realizing that you were trying to tell the wrong story? What kind of uh, got you over that writer's block?
1: I think there were... um, a couple of things. I think um, one of the big ones was I'd been in the original drafts. I'd been um, the main character, Danny, was dating um, the character named Regina and their sort of relationship was supposed to be this big sort of centerpiece of the story. And I just couldn't make it work. And from the last draft, I'd sort of been thinking about the characters and who they were. And I thought, oh, what if that actually Danny has feelings for? the best friend, which he has feelings for Harry. And so I think that kind of, like, really opened up his character to me and opened up the story, too. Um, and then the other thing is I was that I was about to embark on my last major revision right before the 2016 election, and um, I think there were a lot of sort of things I was not sure if I wanted to say or figuring out how to say or what to say. Um, and then after the election, I think there were – things that felt suddenly more important to me to write about. Um, and so I think that was another big turning
0: point. And so w- when you kind of look at both books kind of side by side, do you, can you say like, this is my, I don't know, book about this, this is my book about that. Is there kind of a, an overall theme or like a, a big difference in either the theme that you uh, wrote with or kind of the emotion that surrounds that book? that you kind of look at each one, say, have kind of a word or a phrase tagged onto it?
1: Hmm. Um, that's an interesting question. I think for conviction, um, the sort of main theme I was thinking about and working around was redemption. Um, so in some cases where people find it, or in some cases where it's offered to them and they don't find it. um. And with Pictures in the Light, I think that maybe the overarching theme is probably about connections. Um, So again, that idea of quantum entanglement, sort of the idea that how, you know, maybe people who you once had a connection to, like how that continues to shape you and affect you over the course of your life.
0: And so you mentioned about how the election and the events around that kind of influenced finishing the book so can you expand on that exactly what uh, you felt it gave you the license to do or what you felt you needed to do after all of that
1: Um, so immigration is a big theme in the story Danny's parents are immigrants and I think after the election it just felt like a sort of different world and space um, for people whose families were you know not born here or for people of color Um, and I was interested I think in telling that story and exploring that more. Um, And I think it sort of made me think more about like my own place in America and what it means to be here as someone who's a person of color. Um, It's, I think just because I grew up in the Silicon Valley and continue to live in California, it's something that I, I, I had, I think, sort of an easier experience than I might have in other parts of the country. And so I think just sort of thinking through What that meant and what that looked like was something that was, I think, sort of more nearly important to me after the election.
0: Yeah, that's great. So then, as you are are writing, um, and and let's kind of narrow it down, especially between that time where you're really having writer's block, were there books that you were able to read that... uh, That you really remember as standing out and influencing you as to whether it's, you know, I want to be this type of writer or that's the type of book I should be writing. Any of those types of books?
1: Yeah, I actually, when I'm writing, I think I'm really, like, malleable. And when I read something that's, like, so amazing, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I need my book to be like that. Exactly. Um, So I try to have, like, at least a little distance, I think, in what I'm reading and what I'm writing. Um, But some books I remember reading during that time, I remember reading... Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel and I think it felt like sort of this like safe thing to read because it's like this like post-apocalyptic story and it was very different from what I was writing but it was just so beautiful it was like stunningly beautiful and one of the things that I remember so much about that book is um, so it's about like this plague that takes out you know a huge portion of the population and then it's about the ways that the survivors kind of rebuild society and I felt like she just did such an incredible job of observing just the world as it is. And there was this one um, sort of string of paragraphs where she talked about one of the characters was reflecting on like how amazing it used to be that you could do things like you could send a package through FedEx and you could like turn on the lights. And she was like freaking down all the processes that had to happen for those things to be possible. And I think I was just like, Oh my gosh, it made me like see the world in like this whole new way. And just the, the story itself it was kind of like this love letter to like the modern world and i just thought it was so beautiful that it made me like look at the world in a different way and i think um just the level and the generosity of detail and observation that she gave to the world and the way she sort of filtered everything through the lens of these characters who have lost things that were so meaningful to them that they didn't even realize at the time um, were important that was something I really wanted to take away from that book, just in the ways that characters were noticing what was around them. Um, and another book I read during that time that I really loved was Anne Patchett's State of Wonder, um, which is about a scientist who goes uh, sort of deep into this rainforest on assignment from this pharmaceutical company that she works for to figure out what's going on with um, this, like, compound that they're trying to turn into... I forget some kind of medicine. Um, And um, I love it and touch it. And I thought the story was so gripping. She does, she, I think her, her style is so beautiful, but she's also really a master at character and plot. Um, And I think just, I felt like it was a really ambitious book and that it was, she wrote about things that I think, especially for women writers, there's often this feeling that you're like not allowed to tell certain stories or like, You're not an expert on things, or what do you know about them? And I just felt like she really um, took a lot of risks in the story, and so that was something that I also tried to take away from it.
0: That's great. So, as someone that you know in their younger days had these big dreams of being a writer uh, and was also a big reader, when you think of of your books, uh, you know, when you if you could hand Picture Us in the Light to a 12-year-old, 16-year-old Kelly. uh, Mm -hmm. Do you think she would love that book?
1: I think so. Um, That's such an interesting question. I think so, yeah. I think I sort of probably over the course of my life have been interested probably in like the same themes for much of it. And so, yeah, I think so. I'd like to think
0: so. That's good, good. So a few questions then as we wind down. The first one is, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book?
1: My favorite movie that's based on a book is A River Runs Through It, um, which it's based actually on sort of this like novella, but um, I loved the story. I thought it was so beautiful, and I thought they did a really good job with the movie, especially in terms of just capturing the feel of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they read, there's, I think a lot of the narration, like the narrator just talking, made it into the movie, and it's just sort of this wistful, heartbreakingly really sad, but just really beautiful story. And I, I love the movie.
0: I think it's always a, a good sign that the book was good when they end up using a lot of narration in the movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so next question: Is there a book or series that you're willing to admit that you've never read or were never able to finish?
1: Um. This is really embarrassing, but I've actually never read Harry Potter. Okay. Um, and I feel like it's such, like, a part of our culture that, like, you know, I can go sure. to my Harry Potter house. I can probably tell you the plot of a lot of them. But, yeah, I've never, I never read them.
0: And Hopefully someday. You're not as, it's not as rare as you think. I just think really? the Harry the Harry Potter fans are just very, very... Enthusiastic, and so I think it make. Because I'm, I've talked to a lot of writers that that they've never finished it, but
1: really, I feel like we're this like underground society where like no one sure. will admit it to each other. But there are more of us, I guess, than than I realized
0: And I have an eleven and a nine year old, so I I sort of had to okay. learn it, but yeah. otherwise, I don't think I would have either.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I actually I have small kids, and when they're a little bit older, I'm hoping to read it aloud to them. So I think yeah. that will be like my first time reading it. We'll read it together.
0: Absolutely. And then final question, what is the last great book that you've read?
1: The last great book that I read is um, coming out in May, and it's by David Arnold, and it was called The Strange Fascinations of Noah Hypnotic. Um, it totally blew my mind. I've been a fan of David for his first two books, but this one I feel like is on just a whole nother level. Um, it's about this boy who goes to sleep, and he wakes up, and there are like these little things in his life that are off. Um, he calls them his strange fascinations. And there are these like four obsessions that he's had and everything in his life is just like a little bit different, except for those things, those things that stayed constant. And it's just, it totally blew my mind. It was um, so brilliantly written and I just thought it like landed. It, it stuck its landing perfectly at the end and there's, it's so complicated and beautiful. And I, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. It was amazing.
0: That's great. And I think you're the second or third person that made that their answer to this question. So, Oh yeah. I'm excited. Oh,
1: good. Yeah. Uh,
0: Great. Well, Kelly picture us in the light comes out on April 10th. Uh, and I wish you and the book all the best.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me.
0: And that does it for another episode of what book hooked you special. Thanks to Kelly Lloyd Gilbert for joining me. Her book picture us in the light comes out on april 10th you can also check out her debut conviction if you haven't already and if you've enjoyed this podcast please check out some of our other episodes and if you feel so inclined we'd appreciate it if you rate and review i'm brock shelley and until next time keep reading